Welcome to Chapter 2 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Corey Ziegler, CIO at Fortrum Regional Health Planning Organization. In this segment, Ziegler discusses the challenge his team faces in being able to exchange data with the military, how they've built an integrated care model that can serve as a blueprint for other organizations, and the one piece CIOs can't overlook when it comes to population health. HealthSystemCIO.com podcasts are sponsored by Improvada, the healthcare IT security company ranked number one by class for secure messaging and single sign-on. For more information, visit their website at Improvada.com. And obviously a lot of HIEs have had issues with sustainability, but um, in your case, this is one that, that certainly really need it for, for you know, getting, all these, uh, getting all this data together. And has it been, uh, is it the funding model that that's helped it to uh, sustain over the years? They've tried a couple different models. For a while, they, they were receiving funding from the payers on a per inpatient admission uh, standpoint to augment their funding. When that ceased, the, the New York State has picked up a lot of uh, their operational costs. Um, it is a tough model from a sustainability standpoint, but I think that we're committed to supporting them in that we're trying to avoid duplicative work of building private HIEs or trying to circumvent the real. You know, so if it's in their business model to provide those services, they're always our first go-to you know, for those services. And, and it's only if they absolutely cannot support those services um, or it's not something they do that we go to, uh, you know, try and build something ourselves. Right. And, and the Department of Defense is involved in this, or, or that information is going back and forth? Yes, we're one of the, uh, one of the early pilots for uh, this full integration. We are in the midst of our operational test right now across the Department of Defense. Um, they're uh, headquartered out of uh, Colorado Springs, and they first got the VA live with uh, the HIE in 2014. And then we just, uh, this last fall, uh, started uh, and pulled in the, the Army, the active duty folks um, in the DOD. And now we're doing a full operational test here this spring, um, and it's uh, going very well. Um, so our, our providers in the community and our hospitals in the community can go on the HIE portal, and when they look up a soldier or family member um, with consent, they can pull over uh, not only the cares that they've received in the community, but also the, the, uh, all their military records. And then vice versa on Fort Drum through the uh, VLAR, which is the Virtual Lifetime Electronic Record, and the JLV or Joint Legacy Viewer, um, their providers over there can immediately see any cares uh, that they've received in the community here. So it really puts everybody on the same page which was kind of a, a career high for me because I've been trying to uh, trying to get this in place since 2006. We uh, we put in a fiber network and uh, across all over New York from uh, Albany all the way up north to near to Canada, then coming to the west right over here to Lake Ontario, and then back down to Syracuse. So we had all this fiber, and we went to Fort Drum with a wire in our hand and said, you know, we really want to connect you to our network. And the yeah. military is fairly shy about directly connecting to anyone. So the being able to securely and, and uh, reliably exchange, you know, information with, with the military to 
uh, pull them into our healthcare system or ours us into theirs uh, is fantastic, and it really strengthens our our integration with the military here in the community because there's nothing more personal than healthcare. And if we do a good job of taking care of the soldiers and their families, that's that's one of the best things we could possibly do for them. Oh yeah, sure. And and is this just this just something where there was just red tape and uh, you know just kind of kept kept running into one issue or another? Yeah, they. You know, as you can imagine, I mean, with all the security, um, you know, that's all we hear about. I'm on the planning committee for the fall forum here for Chime and. Security is such a hot topic. We've we've seen uh, you know hospitals get hit with a ransomware or or been hacked. We got uh, foreign nationals uh, and other governments uh, trying to do bad things. So you know the military is very sensitive about that, and so there's quite a they have accredited system. So even even if you're on Fort Drum and you you're like let's say you're a contractor or something like that, and you have a computer system, if if you're gonna to even turn that thing on, you have to go through an accreditation process. And so what they've done is they've created kind of these intermediary accredited systems. And so the the information comes from the military and it's checked and makes sure that there's no uh, classified information in that data. And then it's then released out to the civilian world and, and vice versa. When it comes in from the civilian world, it's checked and made sure that there, there, you know, there's no malicious information in there or anything like that before it is then transferred over to the military side. So there's kind of a, a DMZ or a firewall there uh, yeah. between the two systems that's accredited and controlled by the military. So um, and that makes them comfortable. And you know, uh, obviously, if they're comfortable, we're comfortable. Yeah, sure. So it's probably a lot of detail, but <laughs> no, that's all right. I, I can just imagine that the, the the challenge, though, that 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 that's been um, in just trying to get these records from this huge uh, portion of the patient population. It has, and it's it's incredibly inefficient. When you know, if you think about all the phone calls and all the faxing and all the hand carried documents, you used to call it sneaker net. You know, you when you hand carry stuff places. Um, <laughs> you know, to care for folks. And, you know, they invariably they'd show up for a surgery or something like that, and they wouldn't have the labs, and so they'd either have to do them over or they'd have to go find them. Um, and a lot of that has been, um, we're already seeing huge improvements in that. Yeah, that, that is huge. Okay. And you see, so you said that this, this, is, this is a pilot, so this is something where it's just going to, they're going to keep monitoring the progress and then uh, go forward from there? Exactly. The whole model that we have here, and I don't know if I mentioned this in the beginning, is is uh, was a pilot of this integrated care system, and uh, we were taken off pilot status um, in 2011, and now many of the other installations that have healthcare facilities are looking at this model because we're able to provide very high quality care for the soldiers and their families at a fraction of the cost of maintaining their own infrastructure and facilities. Uh, on post. Okay. Yeah. When you um, you talked about it in the beginning, I was thinking that that it sounds like a like that was a forward thinking idea of rather than you know taking all the resources that are needed to build this hospital to um, utilize the hospitals and and uh, physician practices that exist and connect them. So that was uh, that was kind of looking down the road. It sounds like. Absolutely. And and I I think that uh, yeah and. It, and it doesn't just benefit the military; it benefits the, the the community here because we're we have we threw in there forty thousand covered lives, 
and we're able to support and and be able to uh, you know have access to specialty care that we wouldn't otherwise have if we weren't a larger system. Um, and and they do the same thing with the school system too. The the Fort Drum's uh, children they attend uh, the community schools, and that provides federal funding to the schools. So we've really had this partnership on on all these uh, you know human services areas that have been just fantastic for folks. Okay. She mentioned um, population health management, and can you talk a little bit about what what you're doing there? Yeah, we're we're just in the the last uh, stages of contract negotiations right now with a new vendor. So the jury's still out on that, but we're very confident that that's going to, you know, be a a key solution for what we're trying to do. One of the main components that we needed, uh, which I guess I'll I'll bring up because I think it's going to be critical for any area that's going to get into these type of arrangements with payers is the ability to track and tag data from its source. And that's something our previous uh, vendor couldn't do. Um, so basically, if you had access to a, a particular patient's information, it was either all or nothing. You either saw their chart from a patient perspective because you had authorization or consent or you did not. Um, what we really need is do you have access to all the data or just some of the data. So if you don't, if you're not participating in a, a particular payer program, you know that payer does not want you to see their data. There's, you know, pricing confidential information in there. Um, for New York Medicaid data, they, they, we're, we absolutely have to control that when they give us that data. That only those that are authorized can see that Medicaid data. But yet we're receiving all this clinical feeds, uh, and the folks want to be able to see and run reports and do, uh, you know risk modeling and, and whatnot with their own data. So we've got to be able to show them that data and, and let them use that data, but not the data that they're not authorized to see. So I think that's going to be a key driver as we go forward in, in communities like ours that aren't on one system or in a fully integrated network like you know Kaiser or, or, or Geisner or some, some of the other larger systems. When you end up with all these separately owned and operated facilities with separate payers, um, it, you're, it forces you into this model, and I think that folks, uh, you don't want to let that slip by you, and that's not a capability of your PHM because otherwise I just don't see how it would work. Right. Right. That, that really just sounds like uh, a lot to keep track of and, and really room for, room for error when you're, when you're dealing with all of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. But we're really looking forward to uh, the, the information that we're bringing in there. We're, we're actually gathering flat file extracts from each of the ambulatory EHRs, which we'd like to use the standard-based exchange or the CCDs, but what we're finding, or what we have found, is that all the data that we're, that is needed to run these measures, you know, the, the specific data elements, many times are not in the CCDs. Um, so, you know, we wouldn't be able to report on those if we didn't go back and do a manual extract. So we're, we're automating that, but Generally speaking, it's a report that comes out of these EHRs that helps us in a couple ways. One, EHR vendors are not very flexible when it comes to changing their interfacing. Um, They've got it set up to meet meaningful use requirements, and if it's not a meaningful use requirement, then they they just don't have the bandwidth to do a bunch of changes. Um, But this allows us to control that uh, from an extract. Um, And then, of course, um, any changes that we need, we were like, okay, now we need this piece of data. We could go back and and, and add that to the extract and, and be able to collect that data. 
then once we get it in the system, um, you know, we're really using that to drive up three major areas. One is to risk stratify the patients and focus the, our scarce resources on those where we can provide the biggest impact, and, and primarily with care management. So, you know, we'll, we'll create a panel for the care managers um, and help them manage those. And we're also using um, remote uh, monitoring in the home via telemedicine. And then also to use, look at cost and utilization um, with the claims data and merge that claims data with the clinical data, which goes back to that point before that you've got to be able to control that. But bringing the, both the claims data and the clinical data together, you really get the best picture or the most complete picture. There's a lot of information in those claims files that, that uh, is, is key to fill in the gaps on whether or not the patient received a particular care or screening. Um, Sometimes that's the only place you can get it is from that claims file. And then, of course, presenting some decision support um, at all levels, from the provider that day with that patient or at their morning huddle um, with our patient-centered medical homes, um, all the way up to the the CEO or the directors of the initiatives uh, to do large strategic changes in, in what we're focused on to make the biggest impact on the population we're supporting. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.